When I started the happy hour with Jamie Ivy, I thought maybe this would be a fun hobby. And it was at first, a place to connect with my friends, to talk about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Over the past six years of being a successful podcast host, I am still so very humbled and honored that listeners just like you choose to invite me and my guests into your car, your home, your workouts, whatever you're doing. The Happy Hour is a show dedicated to conversations about big things and little things and all of the nuances in between. We have a lot of fun over the happy hour and I don't want you to miss out. Check your podcast player for the happy hour and subscribe so you will never miss an episode. We have new episodes that release every Wednesday and Friday. Guests like Lisa Turkhurst, Jackie Hill Perry, Christine Kane, Colt McCoy, Beth Moore, Bob Goff, Derek Miner, and hundreds more have joined me on the happy hour. Check out more details on the podcast, The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey at jamieivey.com. set such clear boundaries in all of my relationships and yet love people so much she doesn't even understand it and I was like that's how I survive I have not set boundaries before and I was drowning this is a show about self-discovery about understanding ourselves about looking into the mirror to see the good the bad and the unknown of who we are this is about how we relate to God and everyone else from Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky welcome 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 to the Inia cast. Hey, welcome to the Inia cast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram, and this season is all about the Enneagram at work. And we are now going to start making our way through all nine of the types. And we're starting in the heart triad with type two, commonly known as the helper. We're going to be taking a look at some of the ways that twos relate and operate in a work setting and how twos can bring their true self to the workplace. And we'll also have some tips for how to get along with a type two coworker. So if you have a coworker who is a two, make sure you stick around for those tips. All right, Lindsay, where do we start? Well, to look at the twos, we'll be looking at the five truths about work that we looked at in episode 46. As a reminder, those five things are work starts with God. Work is good. Work serves a greater purpose. Work is not the way it should be. And work is redeemed through the gospel. Okay, so in light of that, let's go ahead and dive into type two, the helper at work. So the first truth in talking about work is that, number one, work starts with God. And here's what that means. All the types reflect a certain aspect of God's character. In twos, you all reflect God's unconditional love and care. You all love to serve other people. You really embody a lot of the servant nature of Jesus himself and really trying to look at the needs of your coworkers and your workplace and wanting to respond to those needs with whatever resources you have available. Yeah, I just think about how we talk about the triune God and one part of that is the helper, you know, that he says, I will send you a helper. And so twos are embodying that part of the triune God. Yeah, you know, this reflection is part of what we call our true self, and it can show up in a lot of different ways. And that naturally leads us to truth number two, which is that work is good. God created work to be a good thing. 
and we can see that he also created twos as a good thing. They are complete and whole in their true self. And when twos are healthy, they reflect this goodness at work. So let's talk about some of the good things a two can bring to their workplace. The first thing is twos are genuinely personable. A two will know when everybody's birthday is. They will bring you donuts or a card. They might even work a whole shift at work, go home, make your favorite cake and bring it back up to work just to bless you on your special day. Yeah. You know, another thing is that they're really attuned to others. They are experts on reading people's emotions, on perceiving the needs of their coworkers, really gifted at responding to behind the scenes needs. Oftentimes, a two doesn't really want to be in the spotlight, Mm -hmm. but they love to come behind the scenes and help other people shine. Right. So we're getting this picture of a very social, personable, caring person. Yeah. And so that's another thing they bring is they bring their sociable self into the workplace, which can be so nice if you're in a stressful, you know, demanding environment to have somebody who's saying, let's go out after work or let's have a birthday party for a coworker in the office. And they're bringing that caring vibe with them mm-hmm. into the workplace. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. They're, they're really selfless. They can be really generous. So you enjoy having them as coworkers because they love to help empower you and empower the work you're doing, mm-hmm. empower your coworkers. They want the team to succeed. You know, I think even about a type two that I know, and they were in a work environment where they served and they served and they sacrificed and they were literally holding like the guts of the organization together. Mm. But they had this boss that would never say thank you, Mm -hmm. that really took them for granted. And over time, they had a falling out with their boss because they just felt like, listen, I'm pouring myself out and no one seems to really care. Yeah. So they switched jobs. They went to a new place of employment and they ended up with a boss that literally just says thank you. And that alone gives them sort of the wind in their sails. Like I want to keep going and I want to keep sacrificing for this organization. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we're getting a good picture of the true self that the two brings into the workplace. So we've seen work starts with God. Work is good. Let's look at truth number three, which is work serves a greater purpose. And that purpose is relationships. Yeah. All of life is relational. And so even if you want to use your workplace as a mission field to share the gospel, that has to start with building relationships. You know, a common relationship often seen in the workplace is that between a supervisor and a supervisee. So I think we should talk a little bit about how a two might relate to that relational dynamic. Mm -hmm. You know, often twos prefer the role of being supervised. Now, twos can make killer bosses. They can really be wonderful bosses because they really want to serve the organization. But naturally, a two just wants to reinforce and support what is good? What is happening? Where are the loose ends that need to be tied up? And so in that way, a two loves to step in. Twos are great at being supervised because they're very supportive. They're very loyal, especially like you mentioned, if they get that thank you every once in a while to show that they're appreciated. But yeah, they also make great leaders because they're supportive of the people that are under them. They can be that place where they say, you can come to my office and you can scream and I'll give you Kleenex and I'll give you chocolates. But then when you go back out there, I need you to be professional. Mm -hmm. I need you to do your job. And twos can bring that caring side alongside the authority piece. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so a reminder. So the first three truths are, one, work starts with God, two, work is good, and three, work serves a greater purpose. So all of these truths show us that twos have so many good qualities that they bring to the workplace. 
Yeah. But anybody with a pulse knows that work can't always be idyllic. Like, Mm. it just gets bad and hard at times. And that actually just brings us to truth number four, which is that work is not the way that it should be. Because of sin, everything is affected by brokenness, including our work. And for twos, that means that not only do they bring their true self to work, but they get this little buddy that tags along, (laughs) which is their false self. A lot of the false self for the two, it comes out in the form of their deadly sin, which is pride, or in their idol, which is being indispensable. And so I think that we should talk some about the specific ways that this sin, this false self, can show up at work for a two. One of the ways that I see it show up is that they can get to a place where they really demand affirmation. Mm. They need to be needed. They just need that constant, like, dopamine hit of <laughs> their coworkers, their boss, just going, we would fall apart without you. We would fall apart without you. Mm-hmm. And for a two, that really can become addictive because you can affirm them, but, like, they consume that affirmation so much that it's gone. It's like fuel. They burn through it, and mm-hmm. enough is never enough. They just want more. Sometimes that can turn into a false humility because they want that praise and affirmation, but then they can't accept it because they label it as pride. Yeah. And they can't yeah, be for prideful. Sure. Uh-huh. Also, along with that, needing constant positive feedback, if they're not getting it, they can turn manipulative. Mm-hmm. So they can manipulate others to get what they want, which is really just love at the end of the day. But an unhealthy two can become an expert manipulator. Yeah, what's that look like? What does it look like for a two to start manipulating? Some of the ways that manipulation might come out is that a two might make their coworkers look bad to mm-hmm. their superiors in order for themselves to look a little better, mm-hmm. you know, the shining star of the class. And then it can also look like fishing for compliments, you know, or becoming a little distant and withdrawn, wanting people to come after them and show them that love and appreciation mm-hmm. or just overly asking, you know, what do you need? What can I help you with? Is there anything, you know, they kind of become intrusive with their helping as a way to get you to see how helpful they really are. Yeah. And all of that, like looking for all the ways that they can help ends up making them really be spread too thin. Mm -hmm. And so they can't kind of stay in their lane and they just end up exhausted. Like they're just all over the map. They're kind of doing little bits of everybody's job. uh, And in some way, everybody feels like, oh, I'm kind of somewhat dependent on this person to Mm -hmm. do my job. But the two end up feeling just exhausted. Yeah, because you literally can't help everybody. It's just not physically possible. You know, which results in the two being behind on deadlines because you can't do everybody else's job. So you end up trying to dabble in everybody else's work. You're spread too thin. And then you don't get your primary thing done, which causes conflict at work. Right. And then conflict at work is not what they want. When they're not healthy, twos can take everything really personally. So every piece of criticism is devastating to the relationship and it's really hard for them to accept. Yeah, because that affirmation is the drug they need. Yes. And now you just criticize them, which means they got to go find it elsewhere. Right. And that yeah. you can't ever love them now that you've seen whatever that one thing was that you criticized them yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. You know, another way that we see this false self manifest at work is through our stress arrow. And work work can be very stressful. Mm-hmm. And when a two gets stressed, they actually move into the eight space. So what does that look like? When the two finally reaches their limit, they mm-hmm. are spread too thin. Maybe they received a criticism. Maybe they feel left out and they're exhausted. And all of a sudden, 
they explode Mm -hmm. and they go to eight, Mm -hmm. which is very aggressive, very confrontational, can be very comfortable with anger Mm -hmm. and displaying that anger and being very blunt and forceful. They hulk out. They hulk out. They're manipulator. It goes from a very subtle to a demand. I mean, that can be very harmful to relationships. And twos can often have kind of a hangover after they've had an eight explosion because they feel so exposed and like they've burned every bridge. Mm -hmm. But really, they can use that eight energy as a healthy red flag that I'm not taking care of myself. I need to stand up for myself. I need to say no. I need to detach myself if there's unhealthy relationships. And I need to seek some self-care. So that's the beauty of the Enneagram is you can use your stress arrow as a way to get a healthy tool to move yourself back into your true self, right. to stand up for yourself. Yeah, just because you're stressed, you're not predetermined you know, to go in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to know more about stress and how to handle it well, I want to encourage you to go back, listen to episode number 42, which is all about the Enneagram and stress. Okay, so we've seen that work starts with God, work is good, work serves a greater purpose, and that work isn't the way it's supposed to be. So the question is, how do we get back to the original design that God created? Yeah, well, the answer is in the fifth and final truth, which is that work is redeemed through the gospel. You know, each type has a particular message that God speaks to them. It's a message of both forgiveness and healing. We talked about this at length in season three, but the message that God speaks to the two is this. You are loved and wanted. Yeah, John fifteen sixteen says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So you can't help God enough. He chose you before anything else. And when a two learns to hear and accept this message in their workplace, it frees them to grow into their virtue and step back into their true self in Christ. Yeah. You know, a lot of Enneagram sources teach that the virtue is this thing that changes us. Mm -hmm. A lot of the Enneagram just drives towards these virtues. Oh, you want a better life? You got to be more virtuous. But as Christians, we actually don't believe that. We actually believe that our encounter with Jesus is what changes us Mm -hmm. and the encounter, our encounter with the gospel. And out of that, we become virtuous people. And so, you know, the virtue is simply just the outward fruit of that inward change. And the virtue that the two begins to display is humility. Right. So they can't just choose humility on a rainy day. Yeah. They have to be impacted by the fact that they are loved and wanted for their true self. And then humility can flourish out of that. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the question is, how can twos lean in to their virtue in the workplace? Yeah. And that leads us to the final segment of our teaching, which is tips for types. So the first set of tips is for type twos in the workplace. And number one is lean into your growth arrow. So your growth arrow is four. And fours are well acquainted with their own emotions, with their own needs. They have a lot of the emotion um, that twos have, but they can turn it inward instead of projecting it all outward. So a two can learn to take care of themselves. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to have needs. It's okay to be alone with your emotions. Yes. That's actually a really critical part of living a full life is Mm -hmm. that there's a me when nobody else is around that God cares about. Yes, your individuality. Yeah. 
Tip number two, get a second opinion. You know, if you're feeling unrecognized or unappreciated by somebody that's in authority, get a second opinion. There's a chance that you're misreading the situation Mm -hmm. and you're misreading even the personality of your boss or the dynamics at play. Just remember that you tend towards shame and also just remember that you're very sensitive to feeling ashamed and also your relational expectations, they may just be way higher. Expectations are like premeditated resentment. So sometimes twos are known for just having unfair expectations of the people around them. Mm -hmm. Number three is identify where you need boundaries. So at work, set aside time during your day to focus solely on your work tasks where you set relationships aside and let other people know that you are not available during that time. So that can also look like outside of work, turning off your phone, silencing your Slack notifications, taking breaks and vacations, getting rest for yourself is really important. Definitely growing in boundaries is one of the best things that a type two can do. Mm -hmm. Boundaries can be very confusing for you guys to figure out the differences between your area of responsibility and your area of concern. We did an episode on boundaries a while back, and I encourage you to go back and find that and listen to it. Finally, tip number four, find a fun hobby. Twos, you guys are so busy serving everybody, taking care of everybody you need some me time. Like Mm -hmm. you need to find a little space in life where you cultivate things that interest you, things that you find fun, your own sense of, you know, what you enjoy, what's a hobby to you. I know one type too that her hobby is literally she loves to just organize things Mm. for herself, for other people. That's a creative outlet for her. Yeah, and it's not something that other people have to come with you. You enjoy it and you're gonna do it just for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those are some tips for type two, but relationships go both ways. So if you're not a type two, but you have a type two coworker, here are four tips to help you relate to the twos at work. Number one, affirm, appreciate, and acknowledge them often. Twos need the most affirmation of all the types and do it genuinely. You know, we're not patronizing them and patting them on the head. Really tell them how you appreciate them and they'll know if you're faking it. Yeah, for sure. Be specific, too. Yeah. So don't just be broad and generic. Make a habit and rhythm out of it. Like before you leave work each day, go to the type two that you've been working with and tell them thank you for your work today and Mm -hmm. be specific in whatever it is that they helped you out with. Tip number two, give criticism gently. Twos really struggle with criticism. Just recognize like... If you throw a punch, it's going to feel like you dropped a building on them. So just recognize that criticism feels like rejection. It activates their shame. So when you do need to correct or critique, which twos, you guys are awesome, but you do need correction sometimes. We just ask that, uh, you know, handle those twos with with care. Yeah. And you can always reaffirm your relationship with them at the end, too. After you give them whatever feedback, you just let them know that you still appreciate them, you're still happy to have them on your team or as a friend, you know, that can go a long way to helping counteract the effects of that criticism. Number three is ask them about themselves. Twos love to focus on other people, so it's good to turn the tables on the two and ask them about themselves. Take interest in their life, even serve them, because they're so busy serving others, 
can be such a nice surprise when someone actually remembers their birthday or brings them their favorite drink. And it can really be a great way to build a relationship with it, too. Mm-hmm. We have a type two on staff here. And for her birthday this year, like everybody on staff remembered. Mm-hmm. And we all ended up giving her gifts. And they were all specific gifts like mm-hmm. for her personality. And she told me later, she's like, this might be one of my favorite birthdays ever, you know, just to be remembered. And finally, tip number four, provide collaboration. You know, often, not always, a two does not work well alone. They are team players. They like to collaborate. They like to work with others. And part of that is because they really do want to reinforce the work that is happening communally. Don't just give them an assignment and then just send them off to be alone. Although twos do like being alone sometimes (laughs) to get some things done. But check in on them. Ask them what they need and ask them how you can support them as well. Okay, so this is our overview of type twos at work. Stay with us because when we come back, we'll be talking with administrative assistant Libby McCord from Your Enneagram Coach. Stay with us. Hey, it's Anna, the media editor. Recently, I've been taking some time to ask our alumni how serving with Love Thy Neighborhood has impacted their lives. My name is Alinda Worrell. I'm from Independence, Virginia. Alinda served with us for a summer, and she told me that during her term with LTN, she really experienced what it meant to be loved by others, and especially by her teammates. And I think that was the first time in my life that I realized there's a chance that I could share who I really was and what was really in my heart and mind and still be loved and valued for it. LTN was where I encountered some of the most authentic relationships that I've ever had. If you want to find your internship where social action and Christian community meet, head over to lovethyneighborhood.org and apply today. That's lovethyneighborhood.org. Welcome back to the IndieCast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Our guest today is Libby McCord. She is currently a student at Trevecca Nazarene University, where she's studying history and theology. She hopes one day to be a teacher of Old Testament history. Uh, And Libby's actually very familiar with the Enneagram because she grew up in a household where it was probably spoken of all the time. She's actually the daughter of Beth and Jeff McCord, who started Your Enneagram Coach. And... Libby is a type two on the Enneagram. Welcome to the show, Libby. Hi, so good to be here. We are glad to have you here. So I guess let's start with this. You know, what is it that you do occupationally now? Like you're a student, that's gotta take up most of your time, right? Yes, so I kind of consider that my full-time job and then I have a part-time job as the executive assistant to um, the COO of Your Enneagram Coach. So I don't work directly for my parents, um, but I work for one of the executives on their team. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. We are big fans of the work that your family is doing. And so we really appreciate everything that's going on in that company. Oh, I'm so glad. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the dynamics of your work environment. So you said that you are an assistant. And so how does that play out in your work environment? Yeah. So I, I honestly, as a two, absolutely love being an executive assistant because I just get to do things to make other people's lives easier. Uh, and I get paid to do it, which is so fun. <laughs> That's great. Um, and so a lot of my job is just um, 
making sure like taking notes during meetings, uh, getting any other like work done that she needs to finish up the day or um, getting gifts for people throughout the company, getting meetings signed up. Um, yeah, I basically touch every single person's meetings and calls and try and figure out how to get them all planned out and schedule out stuff with the other executive assistant. Yeah, you are like the reinforcements that are like coming from behind. Yes, like, very much. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. So Libby, what specific part of today's teaching about twos at work resonated with you? Oh my goodness, so much of it. I was like laughing on the inside, like, oh my goodness, this is also <laughs> true. Um, one of the things I loved is the affirmation part. Um, I didn't realize how much that meant to me. And I probably should have, even in school, I'm very much a teacher's pet and love having my professors enjoy me as a student. But in my job, hearing at least that I did something well helps me a lot because even though there's a lot of pride as a two of, oh, I know how to help someone, I know how to do this, there's still that lingering question on the back of my mind of like, did I do this well enough? Did I do this to your expectations? Do you feel loved? And so that very, very much resonated. But also a huge thing that's helped me that you guys had mentioned when you said like turn Slack off, that actually is something I had to implement in my own job of, um, I don't have Slack on my phone have any notifications because as a two, I feel this like need to help people right away. And if it's my job, I feel like it's even more so I need to do it right away. And that was just eating at my personal life because I had to set boundaries of like, this is when I'm doing school. And if they need me, they can text me. And they told me that they're like, you don't have to respond right away. We'll text you if we, if it's an emergency. And so having that clear communication of how much they do need me. So I know, and then allowing my own personal pride and personal insecurity working through that and communicating to it so that I can set good boundaries was very helpful. Mm, that's great. Yeah, our resident two here on the Love the Neighborhood staff is Kiana Brown. And I remember years ago, so Kiana helped me co-found LTN. And I came in to work one day and she had like five books on her desk and they were all about boundaries. And I was like, uh-oh, things are about to change. Like, And literally, like for a year, she was like, nope, I can't do that. Nope, I can't do that. I was like, whoa, like that's, that's good for you. Hard for me, good for you. <laughs> No, yeah, it's one of my uh, roommates had said that she loved the fact that I set such clear boundaries in all of my relationships and yet love people so much she doesn't even understand it. And I was like, that's how I survive. <laughs> I have not set boundaries before and I was drowning. So it's a big deal for twos. Yeah. Do you find it easier to be a supervisor or to work under somebody else's supervision? I mean, I personally, at the age that I'm at, have really loved being under somebody's leadership to learn and to grow. Um, but I definitely have seen two leaders who are some of the most courageous and like thoughtful leaders that I've ever seen, um, especially if they're obviously if they're healthy, there's no manipulation and there's no overreaching. Um, it creates a really warm environment. But personally, I love somebody telling me what they need, what they want done. Um, that just has really helped. And as much as I would love to one day be a professor, I love the idea of, you know, helping stewarding the lives of uh, students and stuff like that. And so at one point, I do definitely see the idea of being a supervisor um, as a beautiful job. But right now, it's I really love as a two being underneath someone's leadership. Mm, that's good. That's awesome. So we talked a little bit about how work is not the way it should be. You know, we live in this broken work dynamic and that that can really bring up the false self, which can be, you know, the unhealthy side of two or going into that unhealthy eight. Can you tell us about a time that maybe your false self started to show up at work? 
Yeah, I, I think of two really distinct moments. One's when I was younger, um, just working at a food shop. And I remember there was a boss that was not the kindest. And I remember all the other people who were working with me warned me about it. And I came home and I told my mom, I'm going to make that boss like me. <laughs> and it's the last <laughs> thing I do. And I did. And I ended up like focusing way too much on how somebody else perceived me out of their own unhealthiness. And it wasn't about me. And I made it about me. And I think ever since then, anytime I have this inclination of like this professor or this this person I'm working with doesn't seem to really enjoy me, I let that go. And I think, you know, is this actually about me? Is this something I need to change? Or is this really just about them and where they're at? And that's just part of the two taking everything personally. And another thing is just creating boundaries in work. I like to say yes to every single thing that everyone in the company asks me to do. Um, and I started to realize that my hours were getting up there and I was like, okay, well, nope, we can't do all of it. And so I constantly just as a two have to check, why am I saying yes to something? Because it can actually create more of a problem because if I'm saying yes to a ton of things, I'll get too busy and either start to complain and gripe to all the people around me, which doesn't create a loving environment, or I'll actually be behind on things and not be able to do things in a timely manner. And it actually inhibits the person I'm trying to love. And so I try to remind myself that it's actually loving to create boundaries and to not take things so personally. Mm, that is some solid advice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that, um, again, going back to our two on staff, she's gotten into the habit of saying, like, I'll get back to you on that. And it's like a way yes. of just sort of creating a pause, like a buffer. She needs a moment to organize herself internally instead of just defaulting to yes. And so when she says, I'll get back to you on that, it's her way of like, just give me a second. And that way she can know how many commitments am I juggling right now? And can I really do justice to this current commitment as well? So Libby, the, you know, we talk about that the gospel message for twos is that the Lord says to us, you're loved and you're cared for. In what ways do you see or apply this message at work? Yeah, I, for me, having my quiet time every morning is the biggest help. Not only spend time in prayer so that I recognize that the Lord is helping everyone I wish I could help, but also just to go into work and to go into anything that I'm doing, even school, full of his love and reflecting and looking towards the cross more than I'm looking towards something else. Because it's so easy as a two to have work be this constant gratification of you're doing something well, because I can turn in an assignment, I can tell someone I did something or get them the information and hear affirmation. And I can tell whenever I'm getting more and more exhausted that my identity in Christ has been slowly shifted away. And my exhaustion is a showmanship of you're focusing on something else. Because if I'm focusing on the love of the Lord, obviously there's that human, you know, as we are human, we're going to be exhausted. But it's not this spiritual internal exhaustion of I'm trying to fight for this love. Instead, I've already been secure in a love. And so therefore I can go and love other people. And it reflects a lot in how I perceive work and how much work I end up doing. Mm. I love that. I love the picture of you're so full of his love that you're then able to love, which is the thing you want and want to give. It's really beautiful yes. picture. So one of the ways twos can go forward into um, humility is through their growth arrow, which is to the four. Um, how do you live into your growth arrow at work? Yeah, I, I think there's this beauty of actually expressing ideas that I have as a two, you know, there, I talked to my boss recently and was like, I would love to type up a document of different things for people to explain themselves so that we can get them personalized gifts and love them and serve them well. 
And it just comes out of like, and I, it's so funny because to me, I could think of a million questions to ask someone about themselves so that I could get them gifts or love them the way they want to be loved. And so it, when I see myself have this joyful, creative expression of the love and not feel like I'm just being demanding myself to love someone else, um, I just, it's so much sweeter and it's a sweeter moment to see, um, instead of expecting myself to just give up all of my life, um, out of exhaustion to love someone else. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I love it. When twos are in like a work environment and, uh, you can tell that they're in a good space when they start coming to you and they're like, Hey, I've got an idea, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and Hey, I've got this thing I kind of want to try out. And even a sense of like, I've got this idea and I kind of want to run with it myself. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a, it's just a really good sign of like, Oh, there's some good, cool stuff happening there. Let me ask this, like, let me, do you notice a difference in terms of the traits of your personality when you're at work versus when you're at home? Like, you know, are you, do you notice more of your growth era at work, more growth era at home, more stress era, you know, talk to us about that. Yeah, I think I am at home a lot more blunt um, than I am with anyone else. My eight can come out very swiftly in a good and bad way. Um, A lot of times it's just like, I just have a strong personality I got from my dad. But at work, I find myself um, not as good at at wording what I need. But I've seen myself grow in that as I've seen actually having a boss and other coworkers be really like stewarding that and asking me, do you need something? Do you need to say no to something? Which has been such a blessing at such a young age to be continuously growing in that already. And I think my work can come home if I'm not able to separate somebody needing something and not getting to it right away. This Sunday, I I personally as a two have said I think you know every Christian can obviously benefit from this because the Lord's um, instructed it. But having the Sabbath has been a huge help to me. I have no schoolwork, no work on Sundays, um, and I do things to replenish my soul and my relationship with the Lord and just rest. And I saw a Slack notification on my computer. And my roommate's like, nope, you can't. You're Sabbathing. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to. And then by 1030, I ended up replying to it because I was like, oh, it'll just take a minute and I'll figure it out. And I ended up doing it. And it was like this comical time of just talking to the Lord of like, obviously, this isn't me rejecting the Lord and like super sinful. But it was just like, all right, what could it look like to talk to myself in those moments and be like, you truly can wait. Like those times when my insecurities come up and even if it doesn't seem like insecurity, when that part of me is like, I just want to love it and saying, hey, that's a great part of you. But right now we're going to wait to love that person until a little bit later and you need to serve yourself. And so those are just moments where I'm like, you know, we're going to keep growing. We're going to keep going. Yeah, like there are some Enneagram types that for sure, like they don't need a lot of coaching with like, take better care of yourself. Like some of them have that down (laughs) pat, but like a two needs to be given permission. Like, hey, rest, take care of yourself. Like go have some alone time, you know, Mm -hmm. a two that can like learn to do some of those things. They're going to pay off for whatever company they work for infinitely more. Absolutely. So Libby, can you tell us what is a time where others have helped you live into your gospel message and into your true self at work? That's a good question. I think in work, having people appreciate not just what I've done for them, but who I am Mm. has been the most helpful. Um, I remember one of my roommates saying how complimenting someone on not just what they've done for you, but who they are is the best compliment you can give them. 
And I think in work having, um, just like, not just having my boss say, Hey, you did a great job preparing this meeting, but being really intentional and saying like, you did a phenomenal job seeing what other people needed and like taking care of it. That stuff has really helped my heart to see that it's not just what I've done, but rather how, how I love others that has served them the best. And it just reminds me again of like finding that time of rest. I've even had people like say like, wow, I'm so thankful that you've rested so well because you're able to do so much work. And that stuff just really helps. It's affirmation and reminding myself of when even my boss has said like, hey, you don't have to get to this on Saturday, just get to it uh, the next week. So having people slowly teach me how to give myself permission to rest by coming alongside me, holding my hand and saying, I'm going to show you what it looks like to rest in this moment or I'm going to show you what your love looks like. It's not just what you've done for us, but how you reflect the Lord's love in our lives. Mm. I love that idea of your coworkers actually giving you permission to live into your true self instead yeah. of encouraging the false self. That's a great picture. Yeah, instead of it just yeah. being like, what else can we get out of you? Yeah. You know, it's like, what's yeah. good for you? Okay, well, we have explored the gospel and we are equal opportunists on this podcast so we would like to now put you in a series of moral dilemmas okay when we come back we will be playing trial by trolley with libby mccord stay with us on today's episode of the india cast we're exploring type two the helper at work twos are really relational and they love to make people feel welcomed but sometimes being welcoming becomes complicated To hear a story about a church that welcomed even when it was difficult, check out our other podcast, the Love That Neighborhood podcast. And specifically, check out episode number 22, where the gospel meets immigration. Christians say we should care for immigrants. He came up to me and he said, hi, I'm I'm Clarence. So no bone for you. I started crying. Doesn't ICE have like bigger things to do than to deal with like a worship leader from a church? He's trying to follow all the rules. And if they can't find another status to move into, they'll have to leave. You can subscribe to the Love That Neighborhood podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts, or by heading over to lovethatneighborhood.org slash LTN podcast. That's lovethatneighborhood.org slash LTN podcast. Welcome back to the Uniacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. And now, Trial by Trolley. Okay, so our game today is called Trial by Trolley. It's based off a real game by the same name. Here's how it works. So Libby, you are on a runaway trolley car and you cannot stop it. But you can choose which track it will go down. Either my track or Lindsay's. But it's a moral dilemma because sitting on each of our tracks will be one nice thing and one not so nice thing that you will have to run over depending on which track you choose. You can only help the people on one track. And before you choose, Lindsay and I will each get to add an extra complication to our track, making the decision even harder. So we'll each present you with the two things on our track add the complication, and then you have to choose which one you want to send the trolley down and destroy. Whichever track you choose, that person gets a point, but the goal is to have as few points as possible. 
It's like uh, golf. So we're trying to get you to not choose our track. We'll play three rounds. Whoever has the least points at the end wins. I'm going to win. Lindsay, are you ready to play? I'm ready to win. Uh, <laughs> Libby, are you ready? I'm all ready. Okay, so uh, here we go. Ladies first, go ahead. Okay, Libby, on my track, there is every nurse on earth. And just think of how many of those nurses are twos. And then also on my track is the Department of Motor Vehicles. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. Those are those, that's the worst. I feel like if oh you're just my. mad at yourself, it's like, let's go to the DMV today. <laughs> yeah, let's ruin my day today. <laughs> yeah, let's make life worse. Okay, on my train tracks, Libby, is a surprise birthday party for you. It's all of your friends and family eagerly oh waiting gosh. to throw you a surprise party and a swarm of killer bees flying straight toward you. Wow. So what I just heard was that your family is going to die either way because there's killer bees. No, no, the bees are going That's around the heard. family. I'm just saying what I heard. Okay, so the complication is that on my track, there is also, there will be a selfless hero who will give their own life to push the DMV off the tracks. So you will kill every nurse on earth and the selfless hero who gives their life and the DMV will be saved. Yeah, but they're selfless, so they're fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, if most of those nurses are twos, they're willing to sacrifice themselves for I'm just saying. Oh I'm just, but what's the upside? There's no upside to killing anyone on my track. Uh, well, it, maybe, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so on mine, uh, so mine is a surprise party, a birthday party for you. And a swarm of killer bees flying straight towards you. And of course, they just bought you a thoughtful, thoughtful birthday present. They're literally holding it out to you, waiting to hand it to you. But Libby would rather give than receive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Libby, which set of tracks are you going to take your trolley down? Oh my goodness. I feel the need to just say that I'll drive the train into myself at this point. <laughs> um... I gotta say, the idea of killing all my friends and family just doesn't sit well with me. So I'm gonna have to sadly kill all the nurses. <laughs> no, they've done such good jobs. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry to everyone. <laughs> okay, uh, we're gonna get hate mail from the medical industry after this I episode. And the DMV. And the DMV. You guys represent us very poorly. <laughs> the DMV, whoever's working at the DMV has just signed up for a horrible job. I feel bad for them too, but <laughs> yeah. I had to do it. Yeah, part of me is like, DMV, you represent yourself poorly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's see what I got here. <laughs> All right. I got mine. I don't think I even understand. Okay. You don't think you're going to understand how you lose, you're going to lose? I really thought I had that first round. <laughs> I'm real discouraged. You were really close. I was, I was like, all the nurses. <laughs> okay, hold on. Libby, what's your wing? I kind of, kind of use both a lot, but I would technically say a one wing more so. Well, I'm sorry for insulting your morals. <laughs> it's all good. My, like, as you were saying it, I was literally like, is there an option to just take myself down? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll just jump out of the train. Yeah, like, this is totally fine. I, I will be the selfless one and just <laughs> go to the Lord quicker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I go first this round? You can go first. Okay, here we go. Libby, on my track is enough food to feed all the starving kids on Earth. Ooh. And 
a giant spider that hunts humans for sport. Okay, so I have on the tracks a backyard barbecue with all of your friends and also a bunch of seagulls that are definitely going to poop on you. I don't like this. I feel like you pulled my card. I feel I like, totally you like you're like, oh, well, now that we know what matters to her. I learned from my mistakes. Gosh, I feel like all the starving kids are about to go down. Uh, okay. <laughs> so on my track is enough food to feed all the starving kids on earth and a giant spider that hunts humans for sport. But if they die, you'll have to speak at their funeral in front of at least 100 people. Are you afraid of public speaking? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so she would be speaking on behalf of the spider? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The spi- so I have to speak at the spider's funeral? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have the pooping seagulls, and then also the backyard barbecue with all of your friends. And the extra dilemma is that your friends are also holding their baby. Holy smokes. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> Wow. Game over. You really came in strong the second round. <laughs> I learned. Uh, well, you know, we're all working together to end world hunger, so I'm going to have to hit world hunger for a <laughs> 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 We can grow more food. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I did not see that coming. I also have, though, a huge phobia of spiders, so that kind of helps. <laughs> Uh, okay one to one for what it's worth my daughter would have totally gone down my track just to kill the spider alone yes yeah she's petrified so okay all right so it's we're going for a tiebreaker okay it's one to one are you ready yeah okay so Lindsay, as a preemptive apology (laughs) for your loss that's forthcoming i'll let you go first you're so kind okay So, the essential thing on my track is a critical cable that is holding up the Golden Gate Bridge and its rush hour. Oh, dang. I added that part for emphasis. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Does it say rush hour? No. You added a line? (laughs) Yeah. You're one of them unethical ones. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a one. Pure. Pure one. Okay, so the negative thing on my track is there is the owner of a profitable dog fighting business. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, let me stick with the canine theme because on my track is a sack of puppies. Oh. Oh. And Nickelback. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I have the cable that's holding up the Golden Gate Bridge where many San Franciscans are driving at this very moment and also the owner of a profitable dog fighting business. But if you kill the owner of the profitable dog fighting business, their death will cause a chain of events that leads to nuclear war. Dang. So you will kill all the people in the Golden Gate Bridge and have nuclear war. Those things don't seem correlated to one another. Like, you they know, are. the dog fighting business and nuclear war seem yeah, little did I you know. I don't understand how those two connect in the I long know. string of horrible people, but okay. Yeah, I got questions. Okay, <laughs> so on my track is a sack of puppies and Nickelback, but if you run over Nickelback, hitting them will just split them into two half-sized versions of the original. 
<laughs> we, you, you, Libby McCord, would be responsible for double the Nickelback in our world. <laughs> okay, I. My only concern with hitting Nickelback was killing them. So now that they're going to be alive, I'm sorry, but we're going to get double the Nickelback in this world. Oh, <laughs> oh no. She likes Nickelback. Oh. Nuclear War kind, kind of a big deal, so I don't know. Nickelback is kind of not, not that deal. great, but not enough to have nuclear war over. So, Jesse, I think that means that I am the winner. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Good game. <laughs> good game, good game. I, I'm really trying hard to be a good sport, but I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And now it's time for listener questions. Okay. So this first question comes from. Swertenberger one. First, can we just celebrate that name? <laughs> this question comes from Swertenberger one. How can I serve without getting stuck in burnout? Libby, what do you think? Oh, that's a good question. I would say for myself, I have learned um, one having a very clear schedule and writing down what you're doing, and even going back and at the end of the day and write down what you did do during the day. Because a lot of times, I'll add things in my day. And then I'll look at my calendar and I'll think, oh, I was super free this week. When in reality, I stuffed my day full of helping and serving people. Um, so going back and writing what you did so that during the week you see how busy you actually have been um, has helped me a lot. Um, and honestly, just surrounding yourself with people who encourage you to rest, which is healthy friends, friends who are not going to abuse or choose help. There, are, of course, will be moments when they don't realize that they are using your help in a way that's not as helpful. But you find beautiful, sweet friends and family, then they'll help encourage you to rest more. So that's what I'd say. Libby, do you feel like you can sometimes use your stress arrow to the eight to kind of signal a red flag, like that you're going to a place of burnout and that then you can kind of pull in the reins? Yes. Whenever I can tell that I am getting more frustrated at people um, or if the idea of saying no to something is really stressful to me and brings a lot of insecurity, Usually that means that I'm already doing it and that I'm just trying to feed and calm down that stress. Um, and if I'm getting frustrated with other people, um, I'm usually so exhausted and I don't want to realize that I'm being prideful. And so I want to get frustrated at somebody else. And so that definitely is a showmanship of not doing well for me. Next question comes from Chandra Quinn. How can I affirm the twos I work with when their focus isn't necessarily on the work or the task itself? That's a really good question. Um, my dad, uh, I've actually used this ever since my dad was uh, my soccer coach. Whenever we would play soccer and we wouldn't do well at whatever we were trying to do, like pass or something, um, he would see that we were trying to do something good and he would say, that's a good thought. He would never criticize exactly our execution in a way of saying that was horrible. He would say good thought and then he would give us advice as to how to execute whatever we had done better. And that's actually been helpful for me is like at affirming what the person is hoping to do so affirming something that you can find in the two, of, are they hoping to love someone or to serve someone? Say like, I'm really thankful that you're willing to do this and do this. Could you also focus on this part of the work project or to get this done at this time? That would be really um, helpful for me. And of course, at any point that you actually have to have a more serious conversation about it, um, just loving on them, kind of like the affirmation sandwich of like affirming what they are doing telling them what you do need to get done and how them loving and serving other people in other ways can sometimes prohibit that from getting done. 
but then saying how much you do value them and love them. This question is from T. Laughlin. When twos have a social nursing or teaching job, anything that can be highly relationally emotional, how can they set boundaries to not become overwhelmed, stressed, or depressed due to their tendency to over empathize with their clients? Ooh, this is a good question. Mm -hmm. You know, I would encourage to anyone, um, I'm guessing it's a Christian listening to this podcast, prayer is one of the biggest components of my emotional sobriety. Um, it is something that I, I mean, I have cried over um, the sadness of things that are happening in people's lives, but felt somehow this peace knowing that the Lord was going to save them and protect them and nurture them and provide whatever he needed. And so truly trusting that, knowing that he is the author and perfecter of love, he is love itself. And so even if I wanted to serve them, it would not amount to any of the love that he would give them. And so I think for me, I have a very, very long prayer list. I spend time in prayer every single day, multiple times a day. Some of my friends make jokes about it because I will pray for people while I'm driving, just strangers, because it helps me. And I think it's it's sweet to even, you know, instead of getting frustrated at a driver, just praying for them um, and praying for their safety. And so that has helped. And I think also there's a bigger thread of just learning to hear something and know that you can love them without empathizing with everything. You know, even me studying for school with history, there's a lot of really brutally horrible things in history that I have had to learn how to emotionally disconnect and know that it's not that I value the, their story or their experience any less, but rather to love and serve and to give honor and to study what has happened. Um, there's a way that I need to emotionally step away. Um, I think that just comes with practice. Yeah, uh, I worked at uh, a homeless shelter for nine years, and in general, in like social work, it's about a seven-year span is is the typical time that somebody can stay in the occupation before they they roll out, and a lot of it has to do with um, issues like secondhand trauma, uh, issues like just um, emotional enmeshment, the you know burnout. Um, and the, the hands down, the people that can make it long term are those that learn to rest. An inability to learn how to rest and to have boundaries, you are on the fast track to being unable to stay in it. So if you're in like a social work job, a nursing job, a teaching job, um, if it consumes your life and if you're saying yes all the time without thinking, you're just like, yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. It is inevitable. It may not happen next week. But at some point in the near future, you will have this moment that comes on you of like emotionally cracking. So the ability to like rest, to withdraw, to have time alone, to unplug, it is essential. If you want to put the oxygen mask on other people, put it on yourself first. You you have limits and you got to live within those limits. God gave you those limits on purpose because he wants to take care of you. He wants to provide for your needs. So know what those needs are so that he can take care of you, you know? I mean, I even think about, Libby, you're talking about all the ways in which you've really tried to pursue Sabbath. Like, Sabbath is beautiful, but it is a discipline. It's not like it's always easy to step into, but that's the thing that's going to carry you for the long haul. I definitely would say think of rest not in as harsh of a term as work, but as um, it is a discipline, that it's not something that comes naturally, and so you're going to have to work on it, give yourself grace with it, but have a adventurous heart to find ways that you completely rest, not just emotionally check out to the point where you're just numb watching a movie, but where some, what is something that you feel 
replenishes your heart. You know, for me, it could, I love going and working out and I'll listen to an audiobook while I do it. And I am the happiest person after, or even I'll go to a movie theater by myself and I'll sneak in some food and I will sit there and eat because no one else is around me. So I don't care if they like the movie or not. And I'm just sitting by myself and enjoying myself. Um, so have fun finding ways that you rest. And think of it as a discipline that you're going to have to learn over time, but is also really fun and really enjoyable as you learn it. Yeah, well said. I love that. Well, Libby, this has been fun. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. It's been amazing. Special thanks to our guest today, Libby McCord. The McCords are doing wonderful work on the Enneagram from a gospel lens. You can head over to yourenneagramcoach.com to check out the many resources that the McCord family has on the Enneagram. Today's teaching materials are a combination of Crosspoint Ministry, Beatrice Chestnut, and Kim Eddy. This show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. Love Thy Neighborhood provides social action internships supported by a Christian community for young adults ages 18 to 30. Serve for a summer or a year. Grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethynaborhood.org. This episode was edited by myself, Lindsay Lewis, and Rachel Zabo, who is our media director and producer. Anna Tran is our audio engineer. Music for today's episode comes from Murphy DX. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. <laughs>